It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning from Good morning, everyone. Boy, this morning has come quickly. Late night last night after the basketball game. Not much sleep, but I am ready to go. Hopefully you are as well, those early risers. We welcome you into Sports 56 Mornings on this Tuesday, November 7th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their overstock sale continues. Help them clean out their stock inventory with deals as much as 50% off. Half off, for goodness sakes. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you each and every day by East Memphis Ace Hardware. Already 63 degrees. Cloudy skies, but no threat of rain. Partly cloudy with a high of 83 today. Now, considerable cloudiness tonight with the possibility of some rain showers and a low of 64. And then for your Wednesday, sunshine and clouds mixed with a high of 66 degrees. Coming up on the program today, we're going to start off talking Memphis Tigers basketball. They opened up the 23-24 campaign with a 17-point win last night over Jackson State. There was plenty of college basketball all around the country on opening night. We will discuss that. We will be talking with Brooks Monaghan at 825. He is the coach of the University of Memphis women's soccer team. They win their third straight American Conference Championship. They're getting ready for the NCAA tournament. They're the eighth-ranked team in the country, but somehow got a sixth seed. So we will discuss that with Brooks at 825. At 9.05, it's our weekly Rhodes Athletic segment. We switch from football to basketball. We'll be joined by the Rhodes men's basketball coach, Zoe Goodson. And then at 9.25, we're talking college football, specifically SEC football, with our buddy Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for USA Today Network. We'll have Humdinger's Trivia. That'll come your way at about 8.05 approximately, right after that top of the hour, 8 o'clock break. And we'll let you know what the topic will be for tomorrow's five favorite things. During open segments, you can hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines by calling in. Of course, you can text in anytime, 901-360-8255. we got some interesting managerial moves in Major League Baseball, a little Monday night football action from last night, and some news on the University of Memphis football team after the Ryan Silverfield presser yesterday. All coming up on what should be another busy edition of Sports 56 Mornings. How are you? I am fantastic. Isn't it nice to uh, to wake up, walk outside, and you really don't need a jacket? I love it. Last week we had, early in the week, we had that cold front that rolled through, but right now it is nice outside, and it has been nice for the last few days. Last night was nice for Memphis Tigers basketball. A 94-77 win over Jackson State, no surprise, did not cover the spread for those who are inclined to gamble a little bit. I think that number was about 22, if I'm not mistaken, 21 and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood. But Memphis, uh, after a little sloppiness early in the game, and they had a bunch of turnovers in the contest. In fact, they turned it over 16 times, but they forced 23 turnovers. It wasn't great, but it was very good. You saw the plethora of different scoring options for Memphis. Of course, it was... Uh, the coach, Rick Stansbury, in for Penny Hardaway. He'll be in for the first three games because of Penny's suspension. So Rick Stansbury coaching the team. A little bit of a surprise with a couple of the starters for game number one. Doesn't mean that will always be the case. But now Memphis will get ready to take on another set of Tigers, Missouri, on Friday in Columbia. And there are some things they're going to have to tighten up. That'll be a challenge. Missouri opened up the season with a victory, as uh, you would imagine, uh, playing an Arkansas Pine Bluff team, which was overmatched, 101-79 in that one. So what did you see? What did you think of Memphis's opening game victory? A couple of things. Uh, one, it's it's just it's nice to see a team um, 
that can shoot the basketball, has guys who can knock down threes. Um, in today's world of basketball, that is important. Um, we saw it in the preseason games. We saw it again last night as they shoot nearly 40% uh, from three-point range in the game, led by uh, Jones and Walton. Um, you know, Jaquan Walton, um, if he had completed the dunk on the first possession, I believe that would have been, I checked with Elias Sports Bureau, that would have been the first murder ever on the first play <laughs> of the college basketball season. I'm trying to get the starting lineups out of my mouth, Dude. and this guy's trying to slam on Oh, I, I mean, when he took off, I was like, oh my God, like, look at the first play of the year. Have some mercy on that poor child. That's somebody that you got parents, for goodness sake. Um, I, and that was, and he came really close to getting it. Um, Turnovers, certainly, um, if you're going to look at concerns, the turnovers, uh, a little sloppy at times. Rebounding, um, that's not a team that you should get out-rebounded by, um, and they got out-rebounded by that. And those are things we saw in the exhibition games a little bit as well. Yep, yep. Um, and, and rebounding can be a little bit about effort, and I don't know how much, you know, it, it could, in a game that you know you're going to win and all of that stuff, that, that can happen. Um, I also hadn't really... I guess thought about it or noticed it um, until last night, but um, they are we the, the Tigers are loaded with Jays. You got Jaquan, uh, Javon, Jordan, Jaden, Jalen, Jonathan, JJ. Then if you go to la- last names, you got Jordan and Jones. <laughs> That's right. But it is like every every team has a J in their name or <laughs> starts with J. I was like, my goodness gracious! It was just kind of every, every time my players kept getting announced, I'm like, gosh, why? Did, how does it, every player on the team starts with J somehow? Well, it's a good letter to have because you're hoping to hit J's and hit them at a high percentage. And Memphis for the game shot 50.7 percent from the field. 39.3% from three, 11 of 28. They took a lot of threes. They're going to take a lot more than you're used to seeing from Penny Hardaway coach teams, but 39.3%, you'll take that any day of the week. And then 65.2% from the free throw line, so they missed eight of their 23 attempts. You want that to tighten up. But you make a great point about the rebounding. Should never be out-rebounded by a team, by the way, that was missing really their best big who was out for that game but Mansell, but this is a team in Memphis that it's all about the motor. And that's why I think you saw the starting lineup, which was a surprise to many, include Malcolm Dandridge over Jordan Brown and not include Caleb Mills. But Caleb Mills comes into the game, leads the team in rebounds with seven. So he came in with the motor running. Jordan Brown ends up still putting up good numbers off the bench. He ends up going for 11 points, and he gets himself five rebounds, and he only plays 20 minutes. But it's all going to be effort. And Rick Stansbury told us before the game, it doesn't matter who starts. What's important is who finishes and how we finish. Obviously, they were able to get in some guys at the end of the bench at the end of the game. Jackson State, well coached by Mo Williams. Every player is either a returnee or a newcomer. They lost no players in the transfer portal, which is odd and rare. Only one of five schools in Division I that that has happened to. So that's good for Mo Williams. They should be a threat to win the SWAC. But again, for Memphis, tighten it up. You got Missouri, one of your first big non-conference battles this Friday. For Jackson State, by the way, I'm a I'm a big fan of Chase Adams. Me too. That <laughs> That little, that little dude, he's a he's a baller now. I, I love watching him play. He got into the lane and somehow was able to hit that little teardrop, that little floater. He goes 8 of 14. He was 0 of 3 from 3. So he was scoring his points in the paint, ends up with 16 points, and he's the littlest guy on the floor basically most of the time out there. And it was fun when Jalen Young came in the game for Memphis and you had Young defending Adams. You talk about quick on quick. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Steve... Uh, texted says, I need to know the number to call about these awful streams on ESPN three. We're going to spend the money uh, for the basketball game needs to be crystal clear. This also happened last year. Yeah. Look, 
That has come on, Greg. Take care of that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's not up my alley, ladies and gentlemen. You are as frustrated as I was frustrated on the air. You know, getting texts as I'm trying to do the broadcast. The crew doing the best job they can. I don't know why, and I don't know the technical lingo for it. You know, the fiber optics or what's going on. They will get that straightened out for a week from Friday. They better when they play Alabama State because I can understand the frustration. I I really don't want to feel. 30 calls or texts on that because I don't have any answers. But I can tell you, I was as frustrated as everybody else. You know, you prepare, you get ready for a game. And, um, you know, I thought we had a good broadcast as far as John and I. We had a lot of things to talk about on opening day with a brand new team. And then it's uh, frustrating at times. So I can understand your frustration. It's just the way of the world. We're going to. Uh, we're, we're going to a lot of these options now on the internet. And sometimes, as you know, probably from your home or apartment, that uh, the internet is not always 100%. It's not always um, something you can rely on. And that's a, that's a scary proposition. So again, I'll apologize, even though I have nothing to do with that. I can understand the frustration. Uh, Raider Corey says, we were at the game last night. We were a little surprised at the attendance, with the exception of the student section for the home opener, but the opponent may have had something to do with it. Uh, my only challenge will be this, to learn the guys' names to begin with Jay. Yeah, see, everybody else, somebody else noticed it as well. Uh, nice win once they limited the turnovers from the first half. I was a little surprised. I, I didn't realize what the crowd was like because I'm doing the game. I'm not looking around. I know that the student section, which was really good and has been good in football, was really good last night, and they were very loud, and that's a positive, especially for a commuter school. But I heard, you know, somewhere around six. Yeah, there weren't a whole lot of people there. About ten minutes before the game, there was like nobody in the stands, and then it filled in a little bit. But um, yeah, it's listen, I it. On a Monday night playing Jackson State, I mean, you're just not. There's not going to be a bunch of people that go downtown. Sorry, like I, people that think that they're just going to draw ten, twelve thousand people. It's just not going to happen. And all of a sudden, when you're in the midst of football, you're, you're thrust into here's opening night, and there's college basketball all around the country, and you may not be ready for that. And there's going to be some pretty good name opponents coming to town later on in the season, like Virginia, like Clemson. They have a lot of big-time opponents on the road. I understand that. But as far as home games, first game, Jackson State, Monday night, you're absolutely right. I'm not shocked that it was a, a smaller crowd. Maybe a little bit surprised that it was not more like 8,000. But it is what it is. They went out there. They took care of business. 14 players played for Memphis. 10 players scored. 10 players. There are so many different options for this coaching staff. And when you look at the numbers... Jaquan Walton played 28 minutes. He played the most. He ended up with 19. He had 15 right off the bat. I mean, you blinked before people sat down in their seats. He had 15 points. But he played 28. And then you look at some of the others. David Jones, 25. Caleb Mills, 22. Javon Quinterly, 24. Jordan Brown, 20. So these guys are not going to be gassed. They're not playing 35 minutes. Now, we'll see what happens when they're playing better competition starting this Friday if the rotation is tightened by Rick Stansbury via Penny Hardaway, what they want to do. But last night, you saw 10, 11 guys in the rotation, and then the remaining three came in mop-up time at the end. Uh, David texted in, says, I've been very unimpressed with Jordan Brown, watching him last night in the LeMoyne-Owen game. He just doesn't look like he's very good at basketball. He's just big. No, I, I, I disagree with that. But here's the problem. He has to have that motor going, and he doesn't always have that motor going. He is a traditional back-to-the-basket postman. You don't see them much anymore in basketball. So he has to get a spark. So in that sense, I can understand what you're saying. But again, kind of a nonchalant 11-5. and five. But you look at his numbers last year, albeit at Louisiana, but he averaged 19 points basically and a just under nine rebounds. He was named the Lou Henson Award winner, given to the best player at a mid-major in the entire country. So I don't think he's just big. He has skills. He's got hands. He can finish around the rim. It wasn't a great game, and he came off the bench. Maybe he'll be more motivated um, the next game. Who knows if he'll start, but they went with Malco, of course, the fifth-year center who decided late in the summer 
to join the team. Malco had 10 points, three rebounds, but Malco actually was a minus two in his 17 minutes. If you're looking at plus minus for what that's worth, Jordan Brown was a plus 22. He had the best plus minus uh, rating on the team for Memphis. So he certainly did a lot of things that are not in the stat sheets, like altering shots. Yeah, I, there's certainly, you can tell there are s- some skill there. I did, you know, this is the first time, because I didn't go to either one of the exhibition games, uh, so this was really the first time to see him. Yeah, I, I thought last night he kind of ho-hummed it. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part. Um, but just didn't, didn't wasn't, wasn't a real tenacious effort. Wasn't engaged that much because they re- really didn't have a counterpart, a big, they brought in the big guy. I mean, the guy that looked like a football player, Johnson. But there will be games where he will have to go up and battle a lot of games against bigs. I mean that, that in that game last night, like when he was on the court, like he should get just about every rebound. Yes, like they, they had, he should be able to get just pretty much every rebound um, that comes off the rim when he was out there just by pure size, um, if he really wanted it to. Um, yeah, I mean we'll see. You know the Missouri game. Another texter says he seems out of shape. Looks like he's moving in slow motion. You know, Missouri plays really fast. You know, that that will um Missouri will test early in the season, Missouri will be a test for how in shape you are and things like that, because they will get up and down the court. That's one of the things they want to do. Um, and you know, beyond that, they're also good. Um, and it is a tough place to play. Friday night, we will we'll find out a lot as far as early season goes about this team on Friday. The Antlers, they're tough. That's that student body, they are tough on opponents. I did a game in Columbia years ago, and I know what they're like. Uh, as far as the the real positives, again, Caleb Mills came off the bench, played 22 minutes. He didn't have his shot, and I know he was talking with Dave Lotion on the radio post game, and he wasn't happy with his performance. But he still went out there and was a plus 19. He got 10 points. He got seven rebounds, and he's a guard. So that's all about effort. He got a couple of assists. He got a couple of steals. He did not turn the ball over. Now, Jaquan Walton had the big points night with 19, but he did turn it over five times. Javon Quinterly, a lot of good. He had four assists, but he did turn it over three times. He added three steals. The one guy I thought who was very tight to begin the game, the much-anticipated opening game for David Jones. I thought David was a little bit nervous. He ended up with five turnovers, but then you saw him start to get into the groove and he can hit that long ball. He was four of seven from three. He ended up with 15 points. He had a couple of assists. He had a steal. Jones is a high motor guy. You don't have to worry about his motor. And he has the ability to knock down that three-point shot. So a little bit uh, of a struggle early for him. He came back strong. You know what you're getting with Nick Jardine. He's going to be the lunch pail guy. He's going to do the dirty work. Ends up with eight points, a couple of assists. Get your four rebounds in just a tick under 13 minutes. Look, what you have with this team is a lot of options and a lot of depth. Yeah, uh, there's there's no doubt. I mean, and again, there's there's a lot of things. There's length, there's athleticism, there's shooting. Um, there's you know just they, they've got all the pieces. You know, on paper, you look at it. You know, you've got experience, you've got ball handlers, you've got bigs, you've got guys who can shoot. You you've got all the pieces there. It's um, putting it together, and and again, we'll find out. Um, here early on uh, Friday night against Missouri, well, that, that's a really good early season test, and um, see what they they're able to do going in there. They'll need to be better than they were last night um, in all likelihood to be able to beat Missouri. But um, you know they they took care of business last night, and um, you know despite the the shaky start where uh, Jackson State made a lot of shots and had the early lead, they then took control of the game and and. You know, cruise from that point on. So, um, it was it was a fine first showing of the season. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking at the box score. I didn't see this before, but they announced ten thousand nine hundred and twelve. Well, they announced in season two. No, no, I understand. I understand that because I was told it was probably around six. But again, that was just somebody telling me. So that was the number I had in my head. I didn't know what they had announced because I didn't hear it. And I don't even know if they did announce it. But I'm looking at the box score right now. And the number they have down is 10,912. Yeah, so again, it's one of those things where, you know, there's no need to be critical. It's certainly not a fine-tuned machine in game number one. Most teams are not around the country, if not all of them. And as you said, Eli, you'll get the challenge on Friday. You turn around, you go from 
a, a solid SWAC team to an SEC team, and then turn around, you got a week off, and you'll play another SWAC team and Tony Madlock and Alabama State, who were in Oxford last night. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then you go to the Bahamas, the Paradise Jam, and that schedule starts to get really tough, that non-conference schedule. But that's what you want. Penny wants to play the toughest teams, and you need to. We talked about it at nauseum yesterday. You have to because you're not going to be able to pick up quality wins in the conference. Only Florida Atlantic. So any loss is a bad loss, which will be very hurtful when it comes to NCAA tournament seeding. All right, I mentioned last night, Ole Miss, the Chris Beard era began, and the Ole Miss Rebels get a win 69-59 over the aforementioned Tony Madlock and Alabama State. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a rough night shooting the ball for uh, for Ole Miss. They go seven of twenty nine from three point range, and even worse, twelve of twenty five from the free throw line, uh, which is just crazy to shoot under fifty percent from the free throw line. Um, Matthew Morrell, one of eight from three last night. Wow. Um, although he did have 16 points to lead the way. Alan Flanagan, the veteran who uh, was really good at Auburn, he had a double-double. Um, you know, they they still they don't have Musa Cisse, still waiting on the waiver for him, and also waiting on a waiver on Brandon Murray, um, who was the big-time transfer from Georgetown. Um, so they're, they're still trying to get waivers for those two guys. Um, but yeah, they, they struggled. They were only up by five at the half, I believe it was. Um, and then pulled away a little bit in the second half, but because they couldn't make free throws and and couldn't knock down a three, they uh, they never could really just kind of put it away. Um, so it was it's a win, but it was it was not a pretty one that for for shooting the basketball. That's for sure. Tennessee rolled over Tennessee Tech, eighty to forty two. You had Arkansas all over Alcorn State, ninety eight to fifty nine. Not every team played. It just seemed like every team played in the nation. And one team who probably wishes they did not play, Michigan State, number four in the country in the preseason poll at the Breslin Center in East Lansing. They go out and they lose to James Madison University. What are the Dukes doing, man? JMU, football, basketball, whatever the sport is, they're taking over the world of sports. Yeah, the good year continues for James Madison. The the bad news just keeps on coming for Michigan State. Uh, But one of 20 from three-point range. The number four team in the country went one of 20. 5%. From three-point range in that game last night. Um, there was only there were only two other top 25 teams that didn't win by at least 20 points. And they lost as <laughs> the four team. The only other two that didn't win by 20 were North Carolina, who only won by 16 over Radford, and USC, who only won by 13, but played Kansas State. They actually played another Power 5 team. So every other top 25 team won by like 20, 30, 40. Michigan State lost. Amazing. One game does not make a season, but that's a horrible way to start your your uh, season, right? With a loss to James Madison. No offense to James Madison, but you're Michigan State. You should be rolling in these games early. For those... Uh, Tennessee fans that got really excited about the exhibition win over Michigan State may not be as good as you thought. (laughs) That's true. By the way, with USC, the word is that Bronny James will be reevaluated at the end of the month, I think they said, and then they will make the judgment on whether or not he'll be able to start to practice with the team and eventually play. But even without him, when you have Isaiah Collier, maybe the best player in the country, arguably, the best player in the country. They still have the former Tiger, Boogie Ellis. That's a good-looking team. Also last night, women's basketball. Unfortunately, the Alex Simmons era begins with a loss. The Memphis women lose at Middle Tennessee State 67-47. to They'll look to bounce back on Thursday when they play their home opener at El Marone Fieldhouse. How about the defending national champions, the number one team in the nation, Angel Reese in LSU, Kim Mulkey in LSU. They lose, but they do lose to a ranked team. Number 20, Colorado gets them 92 to 78. Yeah, that's um I'm gonna guess that LSU practice won't be a whole lot of fun today with Kim <laughs> Mulkey. Uh, she was not happy. Was it like a six-month hangover? She was not happy with the effort in the game. Um that's like a 
That's like a super team, and to go out and lose in their first game—that's that's pretty shocking. Yeah, that was a, that was a big surprise. All right, when we come back, if you want to talk about Tigers basketball, you checked it out last night, or any college basketball, uh, we'll get into that. We will also talk about NFL Monday Night Football last night. Some. Major League Baseball managerial moves as well. We had Humdinger's Trivia coming your way at 8.05. We're going to talk with Brooks Monaghan, the the University of Memphis women's soccer coach. That'll be at 8.25. Zoe Goodson, the Rhodes men's basketball coach at 9.05. We'll talk college football with Blake Topmeyer at 9.25. A busy Tuesday just underway. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration for all your roofing and home repair needs. Simple call. Dial up Brandon McCullough at 901-438-5084, and he'll take care of you. 901-438-5084. Pinnacle has been with us for years. Brandon and his company can take care of you. They offer financing, many different plans and options to choose from, including a 6, 12, or 18-month, same as cash option. They'll work with your insurance company. They'll work out of pocket, whatever it takes to get that new roof or that roof repaired. They are part of the Roofs for Troops program. Any veteran, active, or retired, you get a $250 rebate on the purchase of a new roof. They do residential and commercial roofing. So business owners, property managers, along with homeowners. If you have a leak or any other roofing problem, call Brandon today. They'll come out and do a free roof inspection. They're licensed, bonded, and insured, and a member of the Better Business Bureau. You get a five-year labor warranty on the purchase of a new roof, and all their work is satisfaction guaranteed. And when I say all their work, I mean restoration work, like carpentry work, exterior painting, they can replace gutters. They can install shingles, put up fencing and siding, rot wood repair. Whatever you can't do yourself, you call the experts. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. Again, satisfaction guaranteed with all their work. Quality work at a very, very good price. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration, locally owned and operated. Call Brandon today at 901-438-5084 or go online to newroofmemphis.com. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 731 The Time, hour number one here on Sports 56 Mornings. Been talking some Tigers basketball. Memphis with an opening game win over Jackson State 94-77 and now get set for Missouri on Friday. Uh, David says, uh, yeah, it's just the first game, but I was most impressed with Jalen Young. Turned the game when he finally got in around the seven-minute mark, brought the energy defensively, ran the offense better than Quinterly and Mills did in the first half. Jalen Young was a spark. And he is so fast, and his hands so quick. He gets a lot of deflections. He gets a lot of steals. It's a quality pickup for a guy who's going to be more than likely most of the time coming off the pine. Yeah, three steals in 11 minutes. Pretty good. Pretty good ratio. Yep, and Rick Stansbury talked about him being one of the guys that kind of changed it in the direction of Memphis. Not that the Memphis Tigers were ever really in a, in a bad situation. Obviously, it was back and forth for a while there. But he said that he kind of gave them that spark that they needed to extend that lead. All right, so if you want to talk Tigers basketball, hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines, 901-360-8255. We're going to switch gears, talk a little Tigers football. If you missed this announcement yesterday, they announced that the Memphis SMU game, which will be a week from this Saturday here in Memphis, is set for 11 a.m. on ESPN2 on the Deuce. So Saturday, November 18th, and it is going to be a titanic game in the American Conference with the assumption, and I, I don't want to assume anything, that Memphis and SMU take care of business this weekend. As far as the injury situation is concerned, Ryan Silverfield yesterday, all he said was that both Seth Hennigan and Blake Watson, two of their most important players, are both day-to-day. Now, at the presser, when it wrapped up, as I'm walking out, Seth Hennigan comes in. He's getting a massage. They got those tables laid out there in the indoor practice facility. Uh, again, it's it's hard to gauge anything from what it looked like, but just the way Ryan Silverfield was talking, if I'm reading the tea leaves, even though it's day to day, I I can see where Hennigan plays. Again, it's the non. It, and he didn't talk specifically about the injury. 
But again, and this once again is an assumption on my part, but I think it's the the shoulder and it's the non-throwing arm. So it's the left shoulder. I think it's kind of probably going to be a pain tolerance thing. If he can't go, Tevin Carter's waiting in the wings. You talked about Tevin Carter, how much confidence they have in him. It's interesting because Charlotte is not a great football team by any stretch of the imagination. They have won two of their last three, though. Did win an overtime game last week at Tulsa. So those two wins were both on the road in conference play. They're getting better. Ryan talked about the NIL money that Charlotte has. Pogi obviously, is an interesting character, character to say the least. I've reached out to Charlotte to try to get Pogi on the show. They have not responded. He's, uh, I guess he's a, a, a multimedia star in Charlotte. I, I don't know. I don't know why I don't get any response. But, but Pogi, um, he'll have the team ready. So I'll be curious to see what happens. But again, this is purely speculation on my part that just to see Seth walking around and in view of the media members and the way uh, Ryan was saying things, I, I, I just think he might be able to go. I don't know about Watson. I don't know what happens there if he can't go. Obviously, a lot more Sutton Smith, a lot more Brandon Thomas. But it's a good thing this isn't the week before the SMU game. That game, to have the importance that it should have, Memphis has to take care of business. There cannot be a slip-up. The um, in the wonderful world of college football, just wait and see if they're on the field. <laughs> because God knows, I ain't gonna tell you beforehand. Well, just ask Ryan about Trent Dilfer and UAB when Zeno was out there warming up, and they expected Zeno to be the quarterback, and they ended up using three other quarterbacks. I asked Ryan, I said, who's the back of the Tevin Carter if Silverfield can't go? If Silverfield can't go. If uh, Hennigan can't go. And he said, to be determined. Because they haven't had that, to be in that position where that third guy has gotten any kind of reps. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens. Uh, It is going to be an extremely important week all around the nation in college football. Some huge games. Michigan plays at Penn State. And of course, the latest story, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm kind of paraphrasing, I just read the headlines, that Michigan may have the support of somebody who says that they have been on the spy spy stealing or sign stealing uh, side of things, stealing Michigan's plays for other teams. Is that what's going on right now? Is that the ammunition that they have to counter they're, I, I did not see They're that. being in hot water? Yeah, there's something like that that's out there that they said they have proof that they stole Michigan signs. And as I've heard... Seems Nash- like a very poor defense, but... It, right. And maybe you're grasping at straws. But I listened to Brady Quinn driving in on Fox Radio here on Sports 56 talking about how it goes on everywhere. He says, not every single team, but most teams. And he, goes, and he also said during the game, of course... That is something that is acceptable. You, you steal signs. You yeah, look across, you steal signs. Game. That's why you got all these different shields being put up and everything else around coaches, and they use all these signs and uh, actually cardboard signs, everything else. Because people, all coaches understand during the game, it's your your free game. Your signals are free game, right? But obviously, Michigan taking it to another level. But the point of that story of that person coming out is that they say Michigan also has had their signs stolen as well. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I I don't know. I still think, and I believe you said this yesterday, and I agree, that Michigan should be penalized. The problem is that you're probably not going to get anything this season. Michigan, if they take care of business, beat Penn State, are able to knock off Ohio State, win the Big Ten Championship, they're, they're in the playoffs. And if anything happens, as far as a penalty, it'll happen after because they will fight it. So that's the situation we have with Michigan. But Michigan, Penn State, one of the big games this weekend in college football. Obviously, Ole Miss taking on Georgia. Can they derail? Can somebody derail the Georgia Bulldogs? Alabama coming off the great win over LSU. Can't afford to slip up. They're still on the outside looking in. They will play at Kentucky on and on and on. From the NFL last night, the Chargers beat the Jets 27-6 as both teams are now 4-4. Four and four. The Chargers have 
let's be honest, been a disappointment for the most part this year. But last night, they looked good against a very good Jets defense. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. Well, they won 27-6. to six. They didn't look good. Believe me. All right. When I watched, I saw Eckler run for a touchdown. I saw <laughs> they, Herbert make a good they, throw. They got, I didn't watch a lot. I was they, doing they, the game. Her, Memphis game. Herbert was not good. They only they had, they had less than 200 yards of offense. All right. But somehow they scored 27 points. Still won 27-6. Punt return, to touchdown. Six. Defense return. The fumble that set up another one. So like, more, they, more, more of the defense and the special teams. But yeah, the defense was great. They killed Zach Wilson with eight sacks. Like the Jets couldn't do anything. But no, offensively, that was the game overall was just pathetic offensively. Well, it's frustrating for for Jets fans because you know the Jets have this potent potent defense and they can't consistently do much with Zach Wilson and that offense. It's not all on him, but a lot of it is. And then after the game, Aaron Rodgers on the field. Talk, I forget which charger he was talking to. He was number three. Do you know who that is? Uh, I'm not sure who he was talking to. But they asked him, when is he coming back? And he said, a few weeks. I, I just can't imagine that Aaron Rodgers, at his age, will be able to come back from a torn Achilles that quickly. Yeah, if he can, that's I mean, it's it's darn near a miracle. Um I mean, I, I don't for anybody to come back that quickly and try and play football. Now, part of that also is the Jets need to somewhat remain relevant in mm-hmm. the, um, for him right. to even, I would think, attempt it. I don't, I don't under you know, and I don't know that that can happen. I'm not sure what their upcoming schedule is. I looked it um, up right now, but their offensive line is an absolute disaster. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been saying that I, since I day one. Zach Wilson, like. He is what he is. Like I, he's not great, but my gosh, I mean, last night the poor dude is just—he's under pressure on every single pass he tries to throw. So it's hard to really blame him. Now there are some throws that he just misses guys on that are pretty open, but there's also like the amount of pressure he's under. It's that's going to be difficult for any quarterback. It would make me, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, even more leery of trying to come back from an injury when there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be getting killed. Jets will play at Las Vegas this weekend. Then they have Buffalo in Buffalo. They host Miami. Then they host Atlanta, Houston, and then go to Miami. Again, on the surface, that looks like three and three. And if it's three and three, and not, and it may not even be three and three, the way Houston's playing. But if it's three and three, that's seven and seven. So that would be how many weeks now? I said one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. That's six weeks from now. Aaron Rodgers is telling the guy, you know, a few weeks. Six weeks from now, I'm looking ahead of the schedule and I'm going, I, I could see seven and seven. And then they got to play Washington. Cleveland and New England. I mean, that looks like a couple of wins right there. So if you're flirting with nine, ten wins, you're flirting with a wild card spot. So we could very well see. Good luck to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Cleveland's defense. <laughs> Maybe that's the game you go. I don't feel that well today. Let's uh, let's throw Zach Wilson out as a sacrificial lamb. And, and I mean, the Chargers' defense is generally terrible. And they killed Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, a non-mobile Aaron Rodgers coming they, off an Achilles injury. If they can't injury. find somebody to block anybody, uh, I grant now, and I will give the Chargers up front with Bosa and Mack. Um, they they can get after quarterbacks, but you need to find somebody on that offensive line who might actually decide to block someone. All right, when we come back, we got some uh, baseball news. Uh, the winter meetings taking place and managerial moves, not the yin-yang yesterday. Something was in the water. And then we'll talk about the NBA from yesterday. The Grizzlies back in action tomorrow when they host the Miami Heat. This side of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. You can find them at the corner of White Station and Quince. When you go by there, you'll find everything you need for any of those DIY projects around the home, around the yard. You'll find the big green egg, all the different eggs, all the different egg accessories. And you're going to find a great staff as well to help you find and answer any questions that you have about whatever it is you need to get done. East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. All right, Eli, it's Tuesday. That means tomorrow is five favorite things. So we need a topic for our five favorite things this week. What is the topic? Uh, we're going to do your five favorite movies with a character's name in the title. Five favorite movies with a character's name in the title. There's a million of them. I'll just tell you that to choose from. Okay. Movies with a character's name in the title. That'll be for five favorite things. Think about that. Compile, compile your lists later today or tomorrow morning and get them to us and we'll talk about it on the program tomorrow. Oh, by the way, I was just watching ESPN during the break. You know, Jim Harbaugh, the likely scenario, a suspension. The guy was suspended to start the year and maybe suspended to end the year when it's all said and done. I still don't understand. I, I don't think Harbaugh should be punished. I think the program should be punished. And give me your rationale for that. I'm not saying you're wrong. Give me your rationale. Well, if, if the whole thing... I mean, the guy could have been doing it on his own. I don't know that... I, I assume Harbaugh knew about it, but maybe whatever. The bottom line is the guy worked for the football program. You were cheating. You were giving yourself an advantage in games by cheating. Punish the program. What does... why Jim Harbaugh getting a suspension, but they get to still play and possibly win a national championship... I don't understand that. So let me ask you this. So you believe that the players should be penalized. Do you think that the guy Stallions, okay, first of all, let's try to go through the scenario. So Stallions, you believe, was told by Harbaugh or somebody up there to do this, right? I don't know that that he was told by anybody. He might have done it on his own. but He might have been rogue. When he knew all of the hand signals and everything else, and they, I'm sure, talked about it in practice uh, and in meetings, People had to know what he was doing. But like, me, hey, how did you get all this information? Okay, but let me ask you this. Whether or not he was rogue or whether or not they told him to do so, he gets these signals, the other team's signals. He relays them to the coaching staff. They have their meetings. They formalize a game plan. When they go over the game plan to the players and then they begin to practice that week to prepare for that team, do you think they're sitting there going, hey, listen, we stole all those, we stole all those signs from... Ohio State, so here's what we're going to do. No, they just they tell them, here's our strategy, here's our game plan for this week. I don't think the players should be punished. When during the game, he's able to watch the hand signal, know what the play is, they're relaying that to the players on the field. He's not relaying. He's, all he's doing is relaying, here's the play. He's not saying, here's the play because I could see this signal and he's putting up this and I saw this it, at practice. Well, it, it, unless the players and everybody think he's just a masterminded man, he went like... 99 out of 100 telling us what the play was. They're destroying crappy teams. So why would you think anything different? Why would you think that this is all because they stole signs? If I'm a player, I don't know if I'm privy to that information. I don't think I know that this has happened. You think the player, you think they have a meeting and they go, listen. Again, unless you you just think this guy is an unbelievable genius at predicting plays. No, the last thing you want to do is have more people know what the hell you were doing. It's scandalous, you know? You want all these players, loose lips sink ships. You don't know which player is going to maybe say something to somebody. These players, I would be shocked that these players, they sat in a meeting and go, listen, we stole the signs. I don't think they say that, but during the game when when you know every play, if it's pass or run, every single time, you go, boy, this is amazing that we know this. Players just they just go out and play. They go out and play. And again, during the game, right, we talked about it, that it happens all the time. So they don't know if it's happening just because this guy is really good at what he does during the game. I guarantee you they're not thinking, hey, I wonder if this guy went to games earlier in the season and stole the signs. I don't think the players should be penalized at all. I do not believe they should be punished. But 
I don't know how you can do something that really hits them hard when just penalizing Jim Harbaugh and suspending him again meant nothing at the beginning of the year, probably won't mean nothing at the end of the year because they have coaches that could just take over and run what Jim Harbaugh wants them to run. How do you really, really punish a program if you really believe that what they are doing is uh, egregious? It's quite simple to me. Just paying them from the postseason. But again, you're penalizing the entire program exactly all those players for employing a guy who blatantly cheated i that's that's what i think needs to be done punish the program not the head coach the program it never happens we we haven't had cases where a team we know was blatantly cheating well i take that back i mean we, they're blatantly we've had, cheating we've had of course in basketball seasons that have basically been taken away uh, they've taken away those wins from the record book. They've taken away, and that all affects. Which is the dumbest thing ever. It's dumb, but it affects the this players. Is, this so, was wait, an man, opportun- didn't, I, didn't I play that season? This is an opportunity no to punish the program up front. You don't have to vacate it because you could stop it before it even happens. Well, I am for that, being proactive and doing things of that nature, but it's never going to happen. They'll fight this. They talked about you know possibly having hearings and things of that nature. They will play. Assuming that they win, they're going to be in the playoffs. And a penalty will probably come after. Now, they may suspend Harbaugh beforehand. They may suspend Harbaugh. Okay, he can't coach in the Ohio State game. Which, again, and I is, understand. is somewhat I'd big. Say, but the, from the Big Ten's perspective, I don't know what the Big Ten can do. Uh, they can't ban them from the postseason. They can't ban them from the, turn, you know, from the college football you playoff. The, the Big Ten or the NCAA? The Big Ten. Right. So I don't know what their possibility If they want to suspend Jim Harbaugh, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Do whatever is within your power. The NCAA, to me, is the one that should ban them from the postseason. Yes, and we know how much of a spine they have. CD is dialed in. CD, how are you? Hey, guys. Let me ask you a question. If I watch all the Tulane games, I'm sorry, SMU games, and I notice the running back does something before a play in which he gets the ball every time, and I call the University of Memphis say, hey, look at this film and notice what this running back is doing on every running play. And it turns out to be a running play. Am I spying for the University of Memphis? No. Or am I just getting there with a No, you're just, that's, that. You that, saw a tendency and you're trying to help out any way you you're, can. You're not doing anything illegal. Mm-hmm. So, that's not spying then? No. No, if, if, there, there, there are things, like, there are certain, like, Teams that find like offensive linemen will set up certain ways for pass plays versus run plays. And that's just, that's on that guy. And that's on that team to recognize it, realize you can't do this. You're tipping our plays. Buying tickets to go to a game or send somebody to a game who then is going to videotape the opposite coach's hand signals. That is cheating. Right. Here's the difference. These are signals we're talking about here. You're talking about, you're just having to watch this running back and he has a tendency to do this. Anybody can observe that. on, on On any running play. Yeah, but it's yeah. just a t- it's a tendency that you saw, and you're you're sharing that information as an alum or as a friend of somebody. That's that's fine. I mean, that probably happens all the time. I don't know how much they're going to take your word for it, but they'll go and, and possibly look at that. But we're talking about stealing the actual signs that are delivered to their players on the field. And that's why we have a lot of controversy as to why there are not uh, microphones in the helmets and plays can just be you know, could be talked to or um, can be relayed it through the microphone to the helmet so the players pick it up without having hand signals. So the difference is that he actually brought tickets, and that's the problem. He, he's okay. stealing he, signs. He, he's, You're not stealing he, signs. He's literally there with – he has people there with phones videotaping the other coaches' signs yeah, you're, so you're, that they can go down, go then back, break down the video because they have every sign, every play from that game, and they can go back and break this down and figure it out. And you're not allowed to do that. He is, you are not allowed to advance scout in person or videotape the opposing coaches. Right, and then you're seeing a, a tendency of a running back. You're not stealing a sign from the coach that's 
says this sign right now is going to be a jet sweep by this running back. You're, you're just seeing that the running back happens to do this. It's a tell. It's almost what you're saying is you see a tell from this player, and it's a tendency that you're going to tell a coach about. You're seeing something that is available to anybody in the world to see. Absolutely. He's not. He's seeing stuff. I mean, these teams go through great lengths to try and block the view of the people giving signs. He's buying tickets on the opposite side so that he knows he's going to be able to get those signs. Like for the Penn State, Ohio State game, they now he didn't use them because it came out, but they literally had tickets on both sides of the stadium so they could tape both coaches' signals. Okay. Yeah, thank you for bringing it down to me. So it kind of like the same thing if a TV analyst is saying the, the defense is doing this on every play and a fan call in, that's the same thing as saying, hey, there's a tendency going on. Yep. Thank you, CD. Yeah, appreciate it's something it. that's available to everybody. Yeah, there's not TV cameras fixed on the coaches giving signs. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, they don't show that. They don't, I mean, they'll show you once in a while when they're showing the sideline, you might see some signs, but like they're, you're, this is a guy who is blatantly going out there to get their coaches signs on video so that they can have them. Folks, Meadowbrook Country Club has been a private country club since it was established in 1959, but that's no longer the case. It is now semi-private, meaning you can go out there and play this golf course anytime you want. They are open Tuesday through Sunday, and you can pay just a daily fee of $59 plus tax, and that includes cart to play this challenging layout, Bermuda Greens, Beautiful course. Again, old-style course that they have renovated over the years and continue to add to this beautiful 18-hole layout. You can call for a tee time today. Call, ask for Mark Bartlett. He's the pro out there. And get your tee time at 870-394-4186. That's 870-394-4186. Located at 1250 West Broadway in West Memphis, Arkansas. It's about 15 minutes, no more, from Midtown or Downtown, and an easy trip from anywhere in the Tri-State area. If you want to join the Country Club, Country Club membership fees are $350 per month. That includes golf and tennis, pickleball, swimming at their beautiful pool, and their restaurant and bar as well. Country Club membership is available, but it's now semi-private, meaning you can play it as a daily fee course. Go out and see Mark Bartlett if you can. He'll fix you up for new Shrixon clubs. He can give you lessons. He was on the PGA Tour, but if you just want to set up a tee time, call him at 870-394-4186 for Meadowbrook Country Club in West Memphis, Arkansas. When we come back, we got Humdinger's Trivia. We'll get to more of your calls and texts. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball with some managerial moves that were made. NBA as well, and then at 825, we'll talk with the University of Memphis women's soccer coach, Brooks Monaghan. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.